Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Let's get into that slider. Yeah, almost every hitter is going to give up on that pitch. That's filthy. As he's letting go of the pitch, he's almost doing his strikeout strut. Chance for an immaculate inning. And he got him. How about that? Moscow's has had a huge a huge uh, development and not just mine did, did i see a couple of sweepers you did yeah well that's a good pitch right there a swing and a miss i'm encouraged with it i'm happy to have another weapon he's helped me throw harder he's helped me clean up my mechanics he's helped me uh work on other pitches this slider's been on point tonight he's helped me attack hitters like he 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 has helped me in i would say almost every facet of my pitching development and that slider is the white belt pitch there it is and his first big league strikeout pitching department as a whole kind of had a plan for me and when they met with me they were prepared and, and a swing and a miss you know that really kind of turned me on to them when they they came to me and said hey we think you know obviously you're a good major league pitcher you're solid but we think we can help you get to another level and that slider is the white belt pitch there it is and I think he's a part, big reason why I'm in the big leagues now. And I also want to say that I think he's a big reason why I'm a Cub now. You heard from Cubs pitchers Hayden Wesneski and Jamison Tyone talking about our next guest, who is Daniel Moscos, the Cubs assistant pitching coach. Joins us here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Daniel Thank you for the time this morning. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. i um, been looking forward to talk to you. First of all, Jamison Tyone, the second overall pick by the Pirates in 2010. You were just the fourth overall pick by the Pirates in 2007. So is there, has there been trash talk there? Tyone saying, like, well, they took me two picks before you, man. Uh, tough to trash talk when he's as good as he is, and I'm on the coaching side now for an obvious reason. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it's funny because, like, having talked to Tyone a couple of weeks ago, I feel like being that heralded coming out of uh, of high school for him and, you know, has been a big part of, like, him being tough and strong and dealing with New York and coming back from all that he has battled with. And I wonder how, like, you know, you having that profile as a, as a pitcher and then going through everything you've gone through, you know, being out of the game and then working your way with driveline and getting back and now back here to the Cubs. If there's, you know, if going through that is, is, has been part of your mental and, and, and uh, emotional toughness to stay in this game. Um, yeah, yeah. I think there's definitely an element of toughness, toughness that um, you have to learn um, as you go through things like that. Um, something that I always try to draw from is just my experiences in this game. I've 
you know, played at just about every level. I've played in different countries, you know, had good times, bad times and everything in between injuries, so on and so forth. So, you know, it, it's more of like just being in the trenches and being able to relate to what guys are going through on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis that you can try to, to walk in their shoes. And I think that helps you connect with what they're going through and, and trying to find that opening to, to connect with a guy. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I definitely cherish all of my experiences, even, you know, the good, the bad, because they've shaped, they helped shape the coach that I've become and, and hopefully will continue to become in the future. And, you know, that's something that I very strongly value. A lot of psychology involved with uh, a lot of the, the, the computer science that's going on as well. When you were hired, Daniel, um, you had this quote, if Tommy Hadovy is going to dominate mechanics, throwing programming and game planning, and then I get to dominate the work in the bullpen on a pitch design front, all of a sudden the sum of our parts is far greater than the individual. Is, um, is that divide how it's ended up working out? Um, yeah, that's, it's been a, um, you know, pretty steady divide of workflow. Um, you know, I've, I think that I have a little bit more input on some throwing programming stuff and whatnot with my past history at driveline and, and being able to structure weighted ball programs and, and things of that nature for guys. Um, so I have a little bit of input there, um, but still my, you know, my sweet spot is definitely in the, on the pitch design and stuff development front and, it's been a great workflow, and, and let's not forget about um, C.Y. Chris Young down in the bullpen. He's a, an awesome contributor to everything that we do here, and, you know, I just I really love the team that, that we work together with every single day, um, just in the trenches trying to get guys better. You know, it, it's interesting. Tyone and others have talked about, you know, being impressed with the Cubs' pitching infrastructure and how the communication goes, and there's still that – there's still that separation between some orgs and some other orgs. Um, you, you, do you feel like the Cubs are at the forefront of the science? As you mentioned, driveline and then your time with the Yankees, you know how it works out there for organize, organizations. Uh, yeah, I, I like to think that we do it really well. Um, I don't think that we can call ourselves the best, but I think that you know, we're striving to be the best. Um, and if you think you're the best, sometimes you lose a little bit of that hunger. Um, so we just, you know, we challenge ourselves to try and to get better every day. Um, and try to live by, you know, the kind of the best is the standard type of rule. Like, are we doing what's best by the guy? Are we doing what's best for this organization? Are we doing what's best to, to win games in, in Wrigley Field this year? Mm-hmm. Um, who's the best? Toronto? Houston? I, I, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I think that there's some teams up there. You know, the Yankees are very good. The Dodgers are very good. The Astros are very good. Um, I can't speak to, to Toronto cause I don't know much about their processes. Okay. Um, I haven't, you know, I don't really have an inside look at, at what they're doing. Um, you know, the, the other teams that I mentioned, I have a little bit better feel, yeah. um, for, you know, their structure and, and what they're doing. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's good to be, to feel like you're in that top group. Um, but again, we can always get better. And so we'll, we'll continue to look for every avenue that we can um, used to do that. So let me throw some computer systems at you. You tell me if they're things you use or that Hadavi uses. For our listeners, I'm figuring they sound like buzzwords to the average fan. <laughs> like, oh, I've heard that. Um, and maybe completely foreign. Um, the Edgertronic cameras, you use those, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. They're a very big part of what I do. Okay. That's what? That's a thousand frames per second for uh, the Edgertronic cameras? Uh, yeah. They, you, can, you can assign a you know, different frame rate depending upon 
what type of lighting situation you're in and and you can there's some some wiggle room but okay uh, a thousand frame rates is a good ballpark all right and then trackman give people the basics of what trackman does um, so TrackMan is just a pitch tracking technology. Um, it uses a trajectory model, so it's going to track the specific, you know, distance that the ball moves. So you're going to get exactly how that ball moves. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas people are probably familiar with the other one, which is Rapsodo. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's going to be a photographic uh, where it's going to take pictures of the ball in flight and then infer movement based on the way that the ball is spinning and the way that the seams are set up. So a little bit different in the way they go about it, but you know, using both technologies in conjunction with one another should give you a pretty good idea for what's happening with the pitch. Wow. And then, um, and then I know there was talk a while back of virtual reality systems and like finding a way to utilize that stuff. Is that something that you deal with at all? Um, I feel like that has broken more into the, uh, the hitters space. Um, where you can now see what a pitcher's throwing, you know, a guy that you might be facing that day standing in the box. Now now you can get extra reps standing in the box against him before you actually have to stand in the box against him. Hmm. Um, I have not um, dived into any sort of pitching application for that one just yet. Um, that doesn't mean it won't happen. Um, just might mean I'm not there yet. Got you. And, and anything else I'm missing? Any other system you can shed a little light on that I'm missing? Um, I mean, as far as a pitching lab goes, we have, you know, some force plates and mounds, some biomechanics cameras to keep track of deliveries, um, you know, things of that nature. So we like to think of it as kind of the holistic approach to pitching development. Um, make sure that we're, we're attacking the pillars of pitching and, and see where, uh, you know, a guy might have room to, to make an improvement. That it's, it's awesome stuff with Daniel Moscos, the assistant pitching coach for the Cubs. So one of the things that I always uh, have thought about is what Warren Spahn said and then Greg Maddox like espoused and a lot of us grew up on watching Maddox and stuff like that. Hitting is timing. Pitching is upsetting timing. That was what Warren Spahn said. Um, is that still relevant to the way that you go about your business these days? Uh, yeah, that's a great way to put it. Um, that's a, I mean, it's a great concept. You know, hitters like to be comfortable. Um, our job is to make them uncomfortable. Um, and a lot of that is timing and perception. And so I think that that's a really, really simple, easy way to put it. Okay, good. Yeah, and then there's like all these different things that have come out of that, but, but that, that makes sense for the way that I've, I've watched um, pitching um, my whole life. Do, do you, when you're doing pitch design, Daniel, are you thinking about guys missing bats or pitching to weak contact? Like, because we, we talk about that, this, this Cub staff may not have too many bat missers or swing and miss guys, but they've got a great defense and with the new rules and everything, like, you know, get the ball in play. So do you think about both those things? Uh, yeah, it's, um, it's really going to depend on the guy. Um, you know, the, the pitch design process, it's funny because once you get to the actual bullpen portion of the pitch design, it's actually the, really, you're getting towards more of the end of the process. A lot of the process is doing the digging up front, you know, finding out, Hey, where, where's an adjustment can that we can get a, you know, a couple extra ticks on this guy. Can we add some break to a slider? Can we add some carry to a fastball? Um, and so we usually do all of the, you know, the research and investigation up front. We set up an action plan and then we go try to execute on that, ac- on that action plan. What are some of the different mechanical things that a pitcher can do with his fingers, with his hand 
to change the shape of his pitches. Yeah, I'm limiting you to just the hand because I know that there's a million things with like the arm slot and the rest of the body and everything. But just t- tell us a little bit about the fingers, if you would. Um, yeah, so the fingers, you know, that's obviously why we're using an Edgertronic camera so we can see specifically how the fingers come off the ball. You know, is a guy missing the seam? Is his wrist in the wrong place? I'm going to use the wrist too. Sorry, I connect to the hand. So I got to use the wrist. I'll give you the um, wrist. I'll give you the wrist, Daniel. But, you know, we, we can definitely see, okay, a guy's pronating early or a guy doesn't quite pronate on time. Um, so we might need to do something to move his fingers over more to the inside of the ball so we can get more fade or depth on a changeup. Um, you know, it just really connects the dots for us to really drive the adjustment. It also provides an awesome visual for a guy. You know, you can easily generate a side-by-side comparison. Hey, this was a good slider. This was a bad slider. Look at the difference in wrist position or look, look at the difference in where your finger was on the ball. Does, does it get to the front side? Is it pull, pulling on the side of the ball? Um, so you really just simplify the process. And I think it really helps from the educational component for the pitcher because, you know, the end goal for us is, Give them the cues, let it keep it external, and then let them drive the ship so that they know the adjustment they need to make and it doesn't become this exhaustive process. If they have a bullpen session where something's off, they know what the fix is because we've educated them on that front. It's interesting stuff. Um, How many different sliders are there on this pitching staff alone? Like I I think of the Marcus Stroman slider, which has that 12-6 vertical drop, right? Um, and, and then Keegan Thompson's is nasty that, but that's a relatively new one. He's learned that's, that's the sweeper. Did, did you work closely with Keegan and are are there varieties other than just those two of the sliders? Um, yeah. So that's the interesting thing about sliders is I think that they kind of have the, you know, widest range of what they can be. Um, you know, you've got everything from a Garrett Kohler or Justin Verlander slider that, you know, has some positive vertical break at a high VLO with some glove side that makes it look almost like a little bit of a cutter. Um, you know, you've got the Marcus Stroman's actually got a couple different sliders. He's got a sweeper as well, but he's also got that downer one that you mentioned. Um, you know, Julian Merriweather's got, you know, a little bit of a gyro slider. That's more of a, uh, a harder kind of bullet spun slider. And he's also got a sweeper now. Um, and so, you know, you're really seeing these guys, be able to do some different things with the ball with with the process that we implement on the pitch design front. Wow, it's 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 really interesting. Whose stuff on this team? Whose slider makes you the most excited uh, on this bunch right now? Oh boy, um, I mean a lot of them. Um, you know, we've we've done I think some really good work as a staff um, to put guys in a in a position to succeed. Guys have you know made some changes, made some adjustments, whether it be add depth, add horizontal movement. Um, Honestly, I'm really excited for all these guys, you know, and, and you're starting to see the fruits of the labor in, in these spring training games. You know, the, the work that they put in the offseason, the work they put, they put in in the first couple weeks of spring training. Um, you know, I know this is kind of a cop-out, but I'm excited about all of them. You know, they've all done great things so far in camp, and, you know, I'm, I'm just excited. Hey, that's not just kind of a cop-out. That is an elite cop-out. I mean, that, that was, dude, that was really well done. Um, so I'll go ahead and take you to Hayden Wesneski then. Um, because so, so tell people about your relationship with him and, and what you think his possibilities are for this year. Um, so yeah, I met, uh, Hayden the first time back in 2020. Um, as I got down to my first spring training with the Yankees, he was assigned to my group down there. Um, obviously we got shut down a few weeks later because of the COVID pandemic. 
um, which is unfortunate, but he stayed as part of my group. We did a lot of remote training that year. Um, and you know, we just hit the ground running. Um, it was kind of the same full scope de development deal where you analyze the delivery, you'd analyze the pitch package, find places to make adjustments. And so, you know, we decided Bilo was probably a, a pretty good place to start. He's always had the slider, you know, the slider's a great pitch, but we felt like there was given his delivery and given what he was outputting from a velocity standpoint, we felt like there was more in the tank. Um, and so we added some weighted balls. We, um, you know, incorporated some delivery adjustments so he could get more out of the lower half. Uh, he was always also working with Kevin Poppy at that time, who is now a, a new member of the Cubs organization, who does a great job hmm. on the, uh, the strength and performance front. And so we just kind of hit it from all aspects. And, you know, the end product has been what you're seeing today. And, you know, that's something that we can all really be excited about. Um, as far as the outlook for this season goes, you know, he's in that competition for that fifth spot in the rotation. Um, you know, I feel confident in saying that even if he doesn't make the team out of camp, that we'll see him at some point. Um, and, you know, I think that he's a big piece to, to what we want to do in the future. So, you know, the, the outlook for Hayden is high. Obviously, you know, my relationship with him, I've probably got a little bit of bias. Um, you know, we've got a really, really good relationship. We connect really well. And, um, you know, I'm just excited to see him competing at this level. He's worked his tail off to get here, and now the goal is to uh, help him stay here. And how, uh, how steady were you and Jed Hoyer and Carter Hawkins' ear last year when Scott Efros was, uh, was the trade compensation uh, in targeting Hayden? Uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, as within the first couple weeks of me joining the organization, uh, Craig Breslow reached out and actually asked me to, um, you know, write up some notes on their, the Yankees pitching prospects, you know, who I liked, who I thought was maybe a little bit overrated, who was underrated. Um, who do, who did I think the, the Yankees would actually part ways with? Um, and so that actually started really, really quickly. Now, nothing happened for a while, um, but then as we got closer to the trade deadline last year, you know, those guys reached out and touched base again and, and made sure that I still felt confident in my, uh, in my evaluations at that point. And, and again, probably still some bias in there, but obviously I, I um, felt pretty strongly about how I felt about uh, Hayden Wesneski. That's just good business, man. I mean, like you bring in a, a new guy like Moscos, what do you think about those guys? And then Breslow watched on his own. That's just – that's just smart, good business. Um, it's been a pleasure, Daniel. Thank you so much. I, 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 one more thing. I do these, um, get the baseball bona fides from as many guests as I can. So I got three quickies for you, okay? Um, who is one of your most favorite players in the game, past or present? And tell me why. Uh, so I grew up, I was a huge Braves fan growing up. Um, you know, when I first started liking sports, we were living in Atlanta at the time, and we were going to Braves games at Fulton County Stadium. Um, and they actually did a, I think it was Sony put on an event on the field and I got to meet John Smoltz and I had always had, loved watching him pitch. He would do anything for the team, start, relieve, you know, it was all about like, how can we go get a win? How can I best help the team? Um, and so just always had, you know, an affinity for him. He's, you know, one of my favorite players from back when I was growing up. So, awesome. you know, pretty cool to get to be around him, um, you know, at that time as, you know, kind of starstruck, but 
really cool experience. Yeah, I mean, as a starter and a reliever, um, one of the best to ever do both uh, up there with Eckersley and really a Cub, Ryan Dempster. Uh, had yeah, three absolutely. three years as a closer and a whole bunch of years as a as a starter. Um, what's the best game you ever had a chance to see in person, Daniel? Oof. Um, goodness gracious, that's yeah. a that's a toughie. Um, best game. <sighs> I know, right? Man, just, I don't know if I have an answer for that one. J- um, just first one that comes to mind, and you can add to it later. You know, I did watch. Uh, I would say, okay, I got it now. Um, getting to watch the uh, the late Roy Halladay, Doc Halladay pitch. Wow. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to get to see him throw in person. Um, obviously, you know everything about him, how dedicated he was to his craft, how much he was about his routine, how hard he worked. So, so to get to go see him just mow through our Pittsburgh Pirates lineup back in the day, um, you know, you never like losing at the big league level, but it was something that you just stood back in awe and appreciated. I mean, it's just a, a master of his craft going about his work. Uh, so that was really impressive to me. Talk about a cutter and a slider crossover uh, guy. Yeah, right? I mean, he was, goodness gracious. It just seemed like he never made a mistake. It was unbelievable. Wow. Um, and then one thing you would change if you were commissioner. Granted, we have a lot of things changing as is, but is there anything about the game, the sport, the structure that you would change if you were the commissioner? Um, well, it seems like with the current commissioner, enough about the game is changing. Um, so I think they've got, they've got that one. Um, they're on top of that. Um, okay. I'm actually going to go a little bit more intricate here. Um, I would change the way that the tax, uh, competitive balance tax is, tax is structured. And I would make it applicable to the tax brackets that the state that they do business in is structured. So, I wouldn't have it just as a hard cap at a dollar figure. I would have it be floating based on, you know, if you're in California, if you're in New York, you know, players lose more of their paycheck to go to those states. And thus they have to offer, you know, higher contracts at a higher AAV. You know, you look at the Padres, you know, they had to come over the top of everybody to try and get the deals done that they wanted to this offseason because players know that they're losing a larger portion of their salary by playing in that state. So call from mom, answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. 
I would maybe float that tax a little bit to make things a little bit more competitive. Um, hmm. You know, just like kind of an off the wall idea. No, what what a great answer that is because it would level the playing field a bit in terms of. Look, you know, when you go to Texas and you know there's no personal state income tax in Texas, then th- those deals are, are, are different. So well, that's a great answer. Um, Daniel, what a pleasure. I uh, could talk to you for hours, but you seem to have a life and some work to do. So we'll let you. <laughs> yeah. I'm about to have to run out to the field. Okay. So. Hey, man, thank you so much. Appreciate the time very much. Of course, man. This was awesome. Thank you so much for having me. You got it. That's Daniel Moscos, the assistant pitching coach of the Chicago Cubs. Woo! Good stuff in there. That's a smart dude. You hear why he, a lot of people think he is a future pitching coach um, and a very, very important part of what the Cubs are doing. Phone lines are open the rest of the hour. I've got lots to talk about, and you're welcome to react to anything that you heard in there. And also, we're going to talk about the rules in a moment on 670 The Score. Hit and run Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. to noon on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago's sports station. Oh, a little quick pitch right there. Mm. <laughs> well, quick Peralta, pitch for the clock. How he, about that? He got the 16 <laughs> seconds there, or he's got the thir- 12 seconds there, I think. And now Tukapita's down two strikes within eight seconds. <laughs> Wow. That was a 20-second strikeout from Wandy Peralta. I didn't edit any of that either, man. There is no editing going on there from Sean Sears. He knows how to edit, folks. He just chose not to. That was real-time, a 20-second strikeout. There have been halves of an inning that have been a minute and a half in spring training so far in both the Grapefruit League and the Cactus League. The average runtime of MLB games so far in all of the spring is about two hours and 34 minutes. If indeed, excuse me, here it is, 238, 238 in the games last week, 1.4 pitch clock violations per game. With two hours and 38 minutes. Last spring, games were three hours at a minimum. If it is indeed two hours and 34 minutes of an average game, that would be the lowest since 1985. We are going back to mid-80s and perhaps early 90s in terms of pace of play. And... I I need to understand, if you are against these rules, if you're someone who hates these rules or doesn't like them, I really need to know why. Because we as a baseball public very often don't like stuff, you know? Don't change my game. I love my game. And I hear you because so many people have ripped our game. So many people have said, ah, it's too long, it's too boring, and you're like, nah, and we're used to standing up against, like, it's perfect! Shut up, it's perfect! And, you know, I, I, I'm one of those guys who, who romanticizes about the game and loves it. It's the only game that is not timed. Oh, wait a minute, now it's timed. But it's not timed overall, it just it goes as long as it goes. But... Do do you not like these rules? And if so, why? Like, are you having the knee-jerk reaction 
of man. I don't like that. There was a crowd booing. One of the early Cubs games I was watching, Cubs-Dodgers, it was a camelback, and they called a pitch clock violation on a, on a Dodger pitcher, and the crowd starts to boo. I'm like, what, 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 are you, what are you doing? You're booing, and Boog said it at the time. Boog Shambi's like, are you booing time? <laughs> are, are, you're, you're booing math? What, 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 what are you doing? Booing the idea? And seriously, if you are uh, anti any of the rules, I want to know. I, I want to hear about it. Because maybe there's, A, stuff you're not quite understanding about it, and I'll do the best that I can to talk about the understanding. But I, I, think, it's, I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be absolutely great. And not just because of the 20, 25 minutes that is, that is less of an investment in a daily sport. Hell, I love the daily sport. I love the companion. I love having the game on. But there are a lot of things that are going to coincide with these rules. A lot of things that these rules are going to coalesce to create. And the biggest one is balls in play. And the shift rule... And the disengagement rule, those three things are designed to get more balls in play. And it has been a problem. So much swing and miss, so much three true outcomes. It has been a problem. The way that I have phrased it is that the game progressed strategically into a product that is definitively not the most entertaining version of the product. I, I, think, I think that's definitive. I think that is a universal belief, even amongst those of us who love the game. You can't go 20, 24 minutes without a ball in play. You're not going to now. Because pitchers will throw faster, they'll be more in rhythm, hitters will uh, get in the box faster, they'll be more in rhythm. And overall, there's going to be this thing that takes place, which is hitters will be in swing mode. Pitchers will be in throw strikes mode. They're going to nibble less. It's just going to be part of the human nature and effect of this stuff. That's what happened in the minors. And that's what Theo Epstein and those in charge are really counting on. Is, yes, the pace of everything will be better and quicker. But the quality of the game is what is going to improve. 670, the score is where you are. I've got lots more thoughts. We have lots more examples of things that uh, are happening so far. I mentioned Max Scherzer gaming the system a little bit and playing with the pace. Just absolutely loves it. That's what pitchers should do. You're still in charge. While all of this is being done to lessen the power that pitchers have had over hitters to try and fix that balance of power a little bit. Pitchers, you're still in charge. The best players are still going to have on-base percentages of approaching 400, the very, very best. And it's because you have the advantage. Still use it. So there's that. There's um, Tucker Barnhart on the other day with Lawrence Holmes and Layla Rahimi talking about the pitch clock and how he is a little nervous about it because there was a moment where Barnhart um, was dealing with the rules on kind of a deeper level as things got a little screwy in the Cubs game the other day. 
Well, I'll be honest with you, and, and to be very blunt, it worries the hell out of me, <laughs> to be honest, that there's, I mean, there's so many things that that every player, myself included, are thinking about during a game, what, what pitch to call, what location to throw it to, hopefully, is, is the runner going to steal, is the hitter going to swing, what's the score, like, there's so many things that, that, that I'm thinking about behind the plate, that it adds a whole different element when you're having to re to think about rules that have been played a certain way or a game of a game that's been played a certain way for hundreds of years. So he's nervous about it. I think you heard from Daniel Moscos that he's a little just in his tone and the way he answered like a little bit leery about it as well. There'll be an adjustment period. And I think that adjustment period will continue and actually kind of sort of start anew in the regular season because a lot of managers who have thought of some ways to maybe game the system a little bit are keeping that stuff in their back pocket until the games actually matter. And uh, one thing that you're going to notice, another part of it before we take some calls here, is that the ones that it's really going to affect are the high-leverage relievers. Think about when you've watched Craig Kimbrell or Ken Lee Jansen or some of these guys between every pitch – Really breathe deep. Look to the sky. Try to have a moment of zen. Let every muscle in their body recharge so they can throw the fastball with maximum effort and velocity. Those guys are going to be affected by the pitch clock the most, and they're going to be affected in high-leverage game situations that there is no way to approximate in spring training. So it's going to be a whole nother topic in the first week Two weeks of the season. And uh, look, man, I, I, I'm all for it. I, th- I, think it's, I think it's a beautiful thing. And, of course, we know the old axiom is true. The best version of the game is the one that was popular when you fell in love with the game. So, yeah, the fact that they're making this a little bit more like the 80s <laughs> hits me in the sweet spot. I get it. It hits Theo Epstein in the sweet spot. It's a lot of these people who are in charge in the sweet spot. But I do think it is going to make a better version of the game. Let's take your phone calls at 312-644-6767. This is Barry in Deerfield on Hit and Run. Good morning, Barry. Welcome to the show. Hey, Speeds. Good morning. It, the game I fell in love with, they played the World Series in the day. So, <laughs> um, so I got a couple questions. Is there an actual clock mounted, visible to the fans? Yes. Uh, yes. Where is that going to be mounted at? Um, both uh, above the outfield fence. I think there's going to be two. Uh, one in each power alley above the outfield fence. And there also will be, I believe, two in similar locations um, uh, behind behind the plate. So not maybe not visual in the shot. Of the uh, 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 from the center field angle that we're used to seeing, but visual for fans at the games, absolutely. Okay, and in the home plate, umpire has final decision on this. He, he does have final decision on this. Um, th- there is, though, there there are some personal factors that are coming going to come into play. It is activated by a human. There is a human in the press box who hits the button. And that that person, I, I saw the the name for it is like game clock managers or something like that. They grabbed people. I'll find it during the break. I'll find it and I'll mention it to you. But they are they are specific people who have, and they've always been there. They've always been there 
to start and stop clocks when a pitcher's warming up or between innings or before a game. But all of a sudden, their job is a lot more important. It's a lot more high-maintenance. And, of course, they will be susceptible, one would think, to possible bias and or bribery. You know? I mean, like, how do you, how do you not think about that? It's a human. It's a human involved. Now, so, so th- those stories are going to come out too, Barry. Okay, and is there is there any right of appeal by the manager on a on an on an objectionable call? I I I I don't believe that there is a right of an appeal. Um, that's a very good question. I'm reading um I'm reading a piece here uh, about the rules so far. Uh, Ten days into it, and some managers are suggesting a couple of modifications. I can tell you this much: that MLB according to Bob Nightingale, is very pleased, and there is not a single modification to any rule that they are considering right now. And that includes the shift restrictions, which is um, something very interesting to me that I've talked about uh, quite a bit over the past couple of weeks. Uh, so, But they're not considering a single modification to any rule whatsoever. Quote from the MLB exec in Bob Nightingale's piece, things are going great right now. Um, so... Uh, look, I, I'll, I'll look into the challenge part of it. I forget whether that is that. I, I don't believe that that is that is in there. But man, th- there's there's a few different things. Let me talk about the shift uh, restrictions for a moment. I had put a drawing out on Twitter a few weeks ago that went kind of viral because I've been talking to some people about what defenses might do to combat. Uh, the shift restrictions against a lefty slug hitter, the kind that they used to shift for all the time. And the Red Sox did it this week to Joey Gallo. Red Sox, Red Sox did it this week. In, in, in fact, Mike in central Illinois, I think you wanted to talk about exactly that, right? I had put this drawing out, and then the Red Sox went ahead and did it this week. Yes. Um, good morning, Mr. Spiegel. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm good. And the best part about this morning so far is I got to talk to your son on the radio. <laughs> or on, on the phone, <laughs> off the radio. But oh, yes. On the phone, I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah, I got him on the phone. What a nice a nice little uh, dialogue with a guy behind the scenes at the radio show. Love it, love it, love it. All right, so what do you think? So for those who don't know, what the Red Sox did was they moved the left fielder all the way over between first and second on the outfield grass, essentially acting as a fifth infielder while the infielders stayed where they need to. Um, And the center fielder moved a little bit towards left center. The right fielder moved a little bit towards right center. This was against Joey Gallo, a dead pull hitter, daring him to try and hit a line drive or anything the opposite way, which would be immediate extra bases as the center fielder and third baseman would be forced to sprint with abandon into the left field corner. What'd you think about that? I thought it was really interesting. I really liked the idea of the defense having the option of positioning their players where they want. I'm a little bit undecided about the infield shift rules, but I I can live with that for now, as long as there's more action in the game. Um, I think that outfield position is going to become a great component of this season. What you just described, putting two outfielders, one each in the gap, <laughs> moving the corner outfielder to what would be a fifth infielder. Yep. I think that's going I think that's going to be fabulous to watch. I just love the changes in the game so far. I just wondered what you thought if there's going to be any traction with these outfield shifts now. I I, I think it's a really interesting question. I love that some folks are are into it. 
Um, and we'll see. The, the defensive risk is vast because you, you will really, and, and I know for a fact that MLB feels this way, that the, the risk is so vast that they don't think it's going to become a regular thing. I also can tell you that they have the power and they could choose to, to stop this. If this becomes pervasive in any way and is detracting from the objective of the rule, they have the power to stop it. And I don't know whether that means they would, you have to have one outfielder on each side of the center fielder or what mechanism they would use to do it, but they do have the power to do that. But as of right now, I just read you the quote from Bob Nightingale, they don't feel the need to do anything as of right now because I think this is the one and only time it's been used. Um, I think it's fascinating. I, I think the objective of the rule is a really good one, and it, it's, there's a couple components to it. One is that... You have a chance to see really good defensive plays on the margins that we are familiar with in terms of growing up. But the other one is that aesthetically, when you see uh, in this instance a lefty hitter absolutely blast a ball to short right field or possibly into the gap in right field, that should be a hit. It should be a hit. You know how hard it is to make contact like that? How hard it is to make good hard contact? You have to be rewarded for that or else the game is too difficult and the the balance of power gets out of whack and then people just stop trying to do that kind of thing and all they want to do is hit it up in the air and out of the ballpark and then strikeout rates go up and everything falls apart. So it has to be aesthetically and strategically in the long run. It has to be a hit when you do that. It's just the game is too difficult for it not to be. I know some people think it's, it's, it's legislating against smart well, that has happened in myriad sports our entire lives, hasn't it? Zone defense in basketball, um, whether it's bump and run coverage in football, whether it's the neutral zone trap in hockey. It happens all the time. There's no reason it shouldn't happen in baseball. All right, um, let's take a break. I'll come back and uh, I'll fill you in on that, that pitch clock thing in terms of what those people are called because I want to get their title right. It, it, it tickles me. Um, and I also want to tell you another possible advantage for you, the fan, to these rules as they all kind of coalesce to change the game that we love. It's hit and run. Nancy Faust, the longtime organist for the White Sox at the top of the hour on Last Comiskey and more. Keep it here on 670 The Score. Hit and run Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. to noon on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Chicago's sports station. Raised down to the last strike. It's one and two now. And the pitch on the way. Swing, line drive, right center. It's a base hit. Kiermaier around third. He scores the tying run to third base and being waved home and falling down. And now they've got a call between third and home. The ball gets away. In the score, Rosarena. The Rays have won. There's your Dan Johnson moment. Oh, my. They're trying to catch him in the outfield, and they can't. That has got to be one of the most unlikely endings to a World Series game in the history of baseball. The Rays have won it 8 to 7. 670, the score is where you are. That's a Tampa Bay Rays broadcast of a Dan Johnson homer. Uh, Andy Freed, one of the voices there on the call. The other is Dave Wills. Um, and Dave Wills is a voice that Chicagoans know well. For years, did pre and post and a little play-by-play for the White Sox on AM 1000. 
born in Oak Lawn, Chicago guy. I unfortunately have to share that he passed away, that Dave Wills just passed away, I guess last night at the age of 58, the Tampa Bay Rays uh, announced today. I knew Dave just a little bit. Um, He was always extremely kind, had been a guest on this show and elsewhere. Um, But I know a lot of people who were very close with him personally and professionally. And that just sucks. That's that's brutal. Only 58 years old. Dave Wills now, who has been the longtime play-by-play voice for the Tampa Rays these past few years. Condolences to to those who knew him and loved him. And uh, I'm sure there are some in our listening uh, audience now who did for a kid who grew up in Oak Lawn. And awfully sad news to have to share on a Sunday morning. It's hit and run on 670, the score. Talking about the pitch clock and some of the new rules for baseball. But um, distracted by the news, understandably so. The thing about play-by-play voices is they're in your house so much. They're in your life so much. They're in your car. They're in your ears via noise-canceling headphones or AirPods or whatever you use, however you take it in. And if you're a baseball junkie, and odds are on a Sunday morning you might be, you know, there's just so many moments that you've hung out with these people, and they grow to feel like friends. And the best, the best at it have a a warm comfort and familiarity that you just, you just can't fake. And it becomes something you welcome into your life over and over and over again. Uh, And, and I I value it a lot. Um, and, And I'm sure that a lot of you do as well. One of the first sports books I ever really loved was a book by Kurt Smith called Voices of the Game about play-by-play. And it was about the beginnings of play-by-play and about some of the greats and how they go about it and how everybody does it. I just pulled that book out a couple of weeks ago. I was looking at it. Had a couple other Kurt Smith books. He wrote about Mel Allen. Uh, he's written a bunch, and he's still out there doing stuff. But I've always had a fascination with play-by-play, and obviously um, – having tried to do it just a little bit and gotten a chance to do it just a little bit. But, boy, Dave Wills was good. He was good, and he, and he kept getting better. That's the crime of this. It's like there's no way to fake the, uh, the reps of doing this. Uh, there's no way to, to, to fake it. You just got to do it and, and keep grinding at it, and you get better. If you love it and you care about it, you get better. And he was getting better and better. So rest in peace, to Dave Wills. Brutal news that I got to share here on Hit and Run. Um, before we take a break and then talk to Nancy Faust, uh, wanted to uh, fill in this blank. The FTCs is what they are called. It is a field timing coordinator, and that is the job of the person running the pitch clock at every ballpark. They are hired by MLB, not the individual clubs. They are paid by the game. They are going to be scheduled by the series, so they work with the same umpiring crew for the entire series. Um, that is the objective, anyway. And this is a very important job. You got to know the rules. You got to be focused all game long, locked and loaded. You gotta, you gotta 
make sure you know how to use your equipment, know the controls of everything. You have to work with the umps and communicate everything. There's hand signals. The umps will have the uh, discretion to stop the clock in special circumstances. And during the game, the the field timing coordinators will be wearing a headset, and the umpires will be wearing uh, like uh, earpieces and microphones. It's it is a lot more um, difficult a job to be an umpire right away this year, and the field timing coordinator is now going to essentially be part of the crew. So. It'll be something to watch. The other thing that I had wanted to mention, um, maybe I'll try and find a way to squeeze it in next hour about another good advantage of the rules. And if I don't, I've got several weeks to get it in. And that's the thing. I get to do what I want on a Sunday morning in a two-team town. And we don't have a regular season to, to worry about till the 30th of March. Look, I, something is brand new on YouTube, and it fills a major gap in the... Chicago baseball historical landscape. A major need has been filled, and I want to talk about that, and then we'll go a little deeper on the music part of it with the great Nancy Faust next on 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.